Hello, and welcome to the first video podcast, or vodcast, if you will, of the podcast for the recently deceased. As this is a new format and our first episode of the year, we've decided that we're going to count down our top five, talk about um, some best performances, some honorable mentions, biggest disappointments, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Rodney is going to tell you about um, what makes a top five. All right. So welcome, everyone. I'm super excited for us to be doing this video format with you. Um, We have a lot of... It's not that I have delusions of grandeur, but I really look forward to us doing this, and I see this doing great things in the future. So I'm glad that everyone's along for the ride. Uh, For me, top five, whenever we talk about horror, is a combination of a couple elements. Um, It's got to be a great movie. It has to be a good horror movie. It can't be something that's more prone to an action or thriller. But whenever I like to consider what's my top five, I have a lot of things where I want it to be good, but I want to find something that's oftentimes a hidden gem. Oftentimes I want to find something that hits a genre that doesn't have a lot of representation or good representation as uh, within that subgenre. So if something's a really good werewolf movie that came out that year, it might be considered better than something that's just a standard slasher, which there's a litany of in the universe of horror. And so for me, that werewolf movie might get more attention than all of the slashers. That might be a little bit better than it, but because I want to see a werewolf movie represented in my top five, I'll probably list it ahead of that. So there's some criteria that for me personally, in my opinions, I, I average things a little bit further up than others because of that. But the thing that I really like about horror in general, and I think, Nate, you can agree with this, is that there are so many ways that people are into horror there's all kinds of different subgenres and different things that they respond to whether it's super actiony or jump scares or ghost story or found footage there's different elements within the horror genre that trigger certain of those uh viewers in such a way that to them it just hits the right note and is celebrated because of that and so i'm hoping that we each with our own different kind of backgrounds can bring attention to a lot of films, some of which people have seen, but others that they might not have seen, that this will get a broader audience to those films and increase the amount of celebratory uh, enthusiasm that everyone has for the genre in general. So for my top five, it's going to be all over the place. You might not agree, but that's part of uh, the genre. Oh yeah. No one really agrees with a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of A-plus movies that people think are garbage and vice versa. So that's what's so fun about discussing it. Absolutely. Uh, I feel the same way about uh, a top five. Um, you know, a couple of these films I'm picking because um, they were just excellently made. Um, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm picking them for their entertainment value, personal to me. Uh, if yes. I had fun watching, um, that's that's how I gauge a movie, or in, especially in the horror genre. So if you're tuning in, listening, watching uh, for the first time, a little bit about the podcast uh, for the recently deceased. We discuss movies, we do movie reviews um, in the horror genre, but we do other things. We do books, comics, video games, and the news. Um, so tonight, um, top five. But before we get to the top five, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have to talk about those honorable mentions that didn't quite make the cut. 
Uh, I'm going to start with the Fear Street trilogy from Netflix. Um, this was an excellent, excellent set of three movies. It was um, a trilogy that all came out at once. Uh, 1994, 1976, 1666. Um, there was one major A plot line it followed. You get the nostalgia from the 1994 movie. You get the the camp slasher from the 1976 movie. The 1666 movie gives you this uh, witch ghost story flashback, the origin of the villain. And uh, that's only for the first two-thirds. The final third comes back to 1994 and finishes the A-plot um, in such... And just, just, in, just a great movie. Um, yeah. What I like most about this project is that is the size and the scope. And hopefully this will have paved the way for uh, more people to do things like this. Like, I want... Like, we have more horror TV shows, you know, this year than we've ever had. Um, but I yeah. want more. I want more horror TV. I want more um, trilogies. Uh, you know, I want longer stories. Uh, and, and I'm going to get back to that point later on uh, when we talk about something else. Um, sure. Finally, um, Lamb and Antlers, and we'll talk about those two together. Um both creature features. Uh, Antlers took a little more to the horror. Lamb, a little more art house. Um, both excellent. Excellent performances. Excellent characters. Uh, these are like human dramas that happen to yeah. have that happen to have horror elements. Um, That's a great way to categorize both of these movies. Yeah, yeah. Numi Rapace blows you away in Lamb. Carrie Russell <laughs> blows you away in Antlers. Um uh, you know, you get more creature out of antlers, um, and a little more, a little more uh, gore and horror, but um, just, just two excellent movies that for me didn't quite make the cut. All right, so for my honorable mentions, Nate, I'm gonna just do a rapid fire of things that I watched this past year that I think everyone should watch. Lamb is also in my honorable mention category. I'll also include a movie censor. The Boy Behind the Door, uh, Classic Horror Story, The Trip, uh, and The Medium, and Candyman. Classic Horror Story I would also put on my list. Was a big yeah. fan. Was um, a big fan. It's great. Well, and it's funny, you know, when we talk about the genre, I think a classic horror story, it fits the genre. It is emblematic of what a good horror movie is. It doesn't break new ground necessarily, but right. the ground that it's treading, that it has been paved already, it's doing it very well and methodically, and it's executed at a level that is worth watching and is very good for the genre. It could be a movie that is a gateway to the genre for a new viewer. Right. right. I remember uh, when I watched it before the big reveal, the uh, the cult reveal. <clears throat> and Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, it's a, a a weirdo cult movie that I'm that I'm kind of actually enjoying." Uh, which which is funny that I say that because I really did enjoy Midsummer uh, last year. I think it came yeah. out. Yeah. And and <laughs> until then, I don't think I've liked a cult based horror movie. <laughs> and you know, sure. You got well, like... how did you feel about the original Wicker Man? Did you see the original Wicker Man or just the new Nick Cage version? Uh yeah, just the <clears throat> Nick Cage version. So. Okay, so I had originally saw the I saw the original in college at some point, and it's it's when you go back and you watch films that are like 
kind of paved the way for newer ones. It's it's bizarre and it's interesting because of how bizarre it is and it's weird. It doesn't give a shit about how people might feel. It's just doing its thing. And yeah. you got to respect that. And the original Wicker Man is definitely, um, as far as culty type weirdness, it's up there. <laughs> it's so funny you you meant you just said that. Um, I watched Rosemary's Baby for the first time six months ago. Yeah. And I and just you know for me, every time I saw a scene that has been referenced by another horror movie since it, yeah. I'm like, so this is I like I knew the entire movie without ever having seen it. Every scene in yeah. that movie has been parodied or or you know uh, you know paid homage to throughout mm -hmm. the years by other horror movies and and i'm right. watching it and i'm like wow i know everything like i don't there was no yeah. surprises for me <laughs> it was it was very st a strange experience yeah and so little caveat the other thing too i want to just briefly mention you just mentioned watching rosemary's baby for the first time recently this happens all the time in our genre right there are films that people say are critically acclaimed you should have seen this when you were born Everyone comes across these things at different points in their life. It does not mean that you are not an aficionado or someone that appreciates the genre or is good at um, breaking down the genre and knowing what makes things good. This happens to all of us. We can't see everything. Sometimes it hits us later in life, sometimes earlier. Uh, whenever you find these films, you're going to enjoy it. So just celebrate that. And who cares when you saw it? does right. not define you. Right, right. <laughs> Okay, honorable mentions over. Um, yes. Let's move into the top five. We'll start with my number five. Uh, Halloween right. Kills. Uh, Halloween Kills is my number five, and the way I describe Halloween Kills um, being on my list is, if this was a top ten, Halloween Kills would be number ten. Um, it, it, it would be the bottom of the list if I had to make a list for 2021. Um, I really, really enjoy Halloween Kills. Um, I love um, what Dave, uh, David Gordon Green is doing with mm -hmm. uh, the, this new Halloween trilogy. Um, and I, I loved Halloween 2018. Halloween Kills, fantastic. Just a, a fun ride the whole way. Um, this, this Michael Myers, the best Michael Myers we've, we've ever had. Um, and, and the fun and the kills, the Anthony Michael Hall character, uh, you're playing the grown up kid from the first movie. Um, the mob mentality angle, you know, sure. Jamie Lee Curtis had to sit it out, but you know, it was, she'll be back for the third one. You know, it was, it was just, right. it, it was just fantastic. If you, Scoff at the Friday Halloween Nightmare franchises. Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, definitely worth your time. My number mm -hmm. five. Absolutely. Great film. Loved watching it in the theater. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, my top five is something that you threw into your honorable mentions, which is just fine with me. Uh, in my top five, my number five is Antlers. So with Antlers... One of the things that, for me, edges it into my top five in a similar fashion to your Halloween Kills inclusion is, for me, it's been so long since there's been a creature feature that's worthy of discussion or viewing. And so because this kind of satisfied that, I was so in love with it. 
on top of the fact that it was done in a very artful manner through the cinematography, through the limited scope of the characters, and the incredible acting that took place between Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons, but also the child actor that plays the lead protagonist, uh, Jeremy T. Thomas. Possibly one of the best performances of the year through this little kid. It's a great film. The setting was, of it, the excellent. way that they handle the lore, he was. The way that they handle the lore, I think that Scott Cooper embodying Guillermo del Toro in this just hit all the right notes with it. It just, it's not, again, it's not an Academy Award winning movie. It's just that it's a great representation of the genre and this subgenre of horror film, of um, monster creature feature film that I have to include because I think it's just done so well. Uh, it hits all the right notes. I will rewatch it at some point. And the story is just, it's presented authentically, it's executed at a high level, and it wraps up in a really good resolution that I think it, it's you should be watching it oh, if yeah. you're into horror. Yeah. Fingers crossed for a sequel. All right. <clears throat> sure thing. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go into my number four. Yep. For me, my number four is going to be called... Uh, it's Coming Home in the Dark. So Coming Home in the Dark, I came into completely unknowing uh, anything about the plot. I believe it's currently on... Uh, it could be on Netflix. I could be wrong. It's on a streaming platform. And Coming Home in the Dark gave me the feels that were similar to Eden Lake. Uh, Eden Lake has been long um, long discussed and it's been out for a long time. Eden Lake is a Michael Fassbender project. I can't remember the female lead in it with her, with him. But Eden Lake kind of has a idyllic couple's retreat that an event transpires where from that moment forward you are immensely uncomfortable during the film and coming home in the dark brought all of those emotions back up in me whenever i watched it early on an event takes place where the antagonists are presented and the whole film is just long drawn out discomfort of how they are interacting with the leads in the film and it's done uniquely and the dude that plays the bad guy in this i want to say this is james at no that's the the writer uh daniel gillies i think yeah daniel gillies is the lead uh bad dude in this and he is amazing he hits every note that you would want to see in a villain in a film where he's just dark and his delivery is like he's in this dude's skin it's super uncomfortable well done story that has a good conclusion by the end of it that all makes sense and it doesn't go too awry with how the narrative is progressing and so coming home in the dark really good watch uh thriller-esque horror movie with limited characters thumbs up okay um <clears throat> my number four uh you can check it on netflix blood red sky now this was um a foreign film subtitled uh it is um a vampire-esque movie um i like it when they take uh vampires and they kind of 
you know, it's obviously fantastical, but they take the supernatural out of it and they break it down to science, right? So she's got some disease, she loses all her hair, her skin goes pale, she's sensitive to the sun, she grows these fangs, and not fangs, like all her teeth are jagged, and she craves blood. Um, she's on a flight with her son, and all she cares about is getting to where she's going to set up her son, because she, she believes she'll be dead very, very soon, um, to get her uh, son set up. Uh, so there's also a doctor with an experimental treatment at the, at the end of the, the, where she's going. But she's making plans for her son's future. Uh, there are there's a group of vampires on the plane. They hijack the plane. They have their own agenda, <clears throat> and uh, the amount of suspense, tension. Um, there's a decent amount of action um, more towards the end. Um, you know, she has to fight these vampires. It's a vampire v vampires is um, is always a great concept. Uh, add the plane. Um, there's lots of stakes. It's a high stakes horror thriller. Um, really good movie. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely worth checking out. That'll take awesome. us. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That will take us to my number three, which I believe was on your honorable mentions, and that okay. is Candyman. Yeah. Um. So. First, I love um, Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he did write this, but he did not direct it. This mm-hmm. was directed by Nia DaCosta, um, who did an amazing job. Um, the camera work during the kills, uh, the, just the just the camera work in general, was I thought was very inspired um, for this film that took, like, Chicago's art world. You got the main character is a photographer. His uh, girlfriend is a um, what's the you know the word? Like a she's a like curator. a curator. Of she's sorts. like a curator. Yeah. And while while he, I will I will correct you a little bit without stepping on your toes. He's he isn't he is a painter. Oh, that's right. He's a painter. He's, that's he's right. Photographing uh, right. the the green. The Cabrini Green, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He goes to Cabrini Green, which we remember from the first film. So what I like about this, not only uh, was it a great movie, but it was a direct sequel to the first movie, um, kind of throwing out all of the bad sequels um, in the Candyman franchise, which is kind of what Halloween 2018 did. Um, yep. And um, it was just a great movie. I mean... There's not much more to say. <laughs> if I had if I had a pet peeve, I would say there was a little too much um, computer graphics in the blood work. Uh, I'm not a big fan of CG in general. Like uh, I just you know prefer the you know animatronics and or practical effects. Um, yeah. But that being said, uh, I still enjoyed myself immensely and was was not ever taken out of this movie. Yeah, so Candyman was not one that I had seen through most of the year. I just didn't prioritize it. And then it wasn't until you really referenced that this had more of, like, merit to it that I did finally watch it. And it probably, it barely did not make my top five. It was amazing. It was very good. I loved the art world thing. I'm, I have a man, (laughs) I went through to, to school for fine art. And so I could relate and appreciate a lot of that. There are certain things that an art student would get. Uh, the the critic that he goes and talks with 
throughout the movie as that who's opening and then as uh, he goes and uh, has a conversation with she has um two Joseph Albers prints in her studio and she might have some Rothkos in her hallway so there's little nods to the art world that are in there that I was like oh this is great <laughs> it kind of <laughs> like hit the geek in me um but it did that world really well and it was also interesting to see the um the African-American element of it kind of existing there, but also there being this other niche of the art world with an uh, African-American leads where the critic was saying, oh, this is because you people are all the same. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, artists. And they kind of are tongue-in-cheek walking that line about what is it that is inappropriate about a certain uh, group of people. And I think it's it's super entertaining the cgi blood didn't bother me so much i didn't i wasn't pulled out of it i noticed it a few times but the camera work especially to your point amazing because a lot of the mirrors with the Candyman mythos is in there and the way that they see it it's oh, yeah. it heightens the the tension and, and the look of the movie it, it was awesome i right. wanted to talk to you about it because i had a feeling that you were going to bring it up and i almost in the top five for me it was awesome it, yeah, I, I love how it, uh, the first Candyman, Candyman is a is already a ghost story and turns the main character into a ghost story by the and she becomes an urban legend, and this movie does the same thing. It so it kind of redefines the can you know Candyman as well as he's not a monster in a slasher movie, he mm-hmm. he kind of makes these legends. That's what he that's what he does. Right? Yeah. Well, and like people talk about when the things getting remade, and I feel like this is a re-envisioning or a broadening of the story that works and makes sense, and it's uh, validated, it's earned. I don't think it cheapens it in any kind of way, which happens a lot with people rebooting franchises. They fall flat in their face. Right. RoboCop reboot sucked. sucked. Total Recall reboot. Total Recall reboot sucked. sucked. I I also <laughs> uh, really loved the uh, the Shadow Puppets. Uh, oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. that art, that part so was excellent. very cool. Cool little uh, art transition thing. Yep. scenes, yeah. Um, so that was my three. So we're on to you. All right, my number three is going to be coming in a little film called The Queen of Black Magic. Uh, this is an Indonesian film, currently on Shutter. Subscribe to Shutter. Amazing niche horror films released on the reg through this service. Get it through Amazon Prime, which everyone probably has anyways. I highly recommend. Uh, The Queen of Black Magic focuses around the story of orphans that are now grown adults that are coming back to the orphanage to celebrate the or to care for or to visit the caretaker of the orphanage because he's kind of ailing. What comes to transpire while they're at this visit, when everyone is gathered, are a series of events that kind of expose the hidden truths of what happened in this orphan orphanage as they were growing up, where everyone's dark secrets are now are exposed. And this is a body horror movie, foreign body horror movie, that hits all the right notes. So this is a remake of a film that came out in the years past, in the 70s, I believe. And it's just done magnificently. The actors are all good. And I find in a lot of foreign films, the acting you don't pick apart as 
bad often because it just seems genuine or maybe they're just good. You don't see as many fake characters that are bad at acting in a foreign film as you do in an American film, in my experience. So this is excellent because of that. Uh, everyone's spot on. The story is awesome. And by the end of it, you are rooting for the bad guy, the queen of black magic. You want to see her exact revenge or vengeance on the characters from what transpired in this orphanage years ago. And it's just, it's awesome. It's really cool. A lot of fun. And it's something that I don't think everyone's going to be seeing or rushing out to see throughout the year. So I highly recommend people seeing the queen of black magic. All right. Um, so then we're going to be leading into number two then. Yeah. And I'll start uh, off. Yeah, that's right. Number two, here we go. All right. My number two, and this was difficult for me because number one and two are like this, but <laughs> my number two is going to be the night house. Awesome. So, <laughs> yes. And I'm going to stop you right there and say that my number two is also the night house. So let's talk about hey, it. <laughs> all right. Let's talk so, about yeah, the night house. The night what... house. <laughs> I think I knew nothing about the night house whenever I heard about it. It was on the list of things that I wanted to watch. And I had dozens of films I wanted to watch. And I plucked this one early on into my watching of all these films. And I was, everything that came after it was not as good. This film was that perfect. Yes, I totally agree. Um, if I didn't absolutely love my number one picks as much as I do, uh, this would be the number one. This was so close to number one. This is definitely, uh, we're talking about performances, writing, uh, directing, uh, story. This, this is almost the best horror movie of the year this absolutely this is the best horror film of the year my number one pick is yes. more of it's more of a movie um yeah like like i said for entertainment <laughs> for entertainment purposes this mm-hmm. uh film was excellent absolutely um this is obviously carried by the writing but the performance of rebecca hall in this film is what makes it she is magnificent. Uh, Rebecca Hall plays a grieving widow whose husband just passed from a, uh, a suicide. She is in the grieving process, and as is natural, one starts to seek answers to unanswerable questions in this moment of life. And she plays the grieving widow so perfectly. You feel for her. Everything that she's going through, you, it makes sense. Alcohol plays a huge role, and she becomes sort of a unreliable narrator because of that. Where the events that start to happen, you're like, is she just getting blackout drunk, and this isn't happening, or it is happening, and it's just heightened, and she has more uh, liquid courage to do the crazy shit that she starts doing in this film to uncover the truth of her dead husband. It's Everything about this is just fun. The symbolism that's in there, the iconography of the different things that she discovers oh, looking yeah. through her husband's stuff. The it maze, just it builds a world. The, yeah, the rever- yeah, yeah. The, the reverse house. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like, so, yeah, like... Yeah, he's an architect, and so everything... And that's the thing. You... Oh, yeah. You talk <laughs> the reverse house. We... Uh, the architecture and the way that the camera work, 
reveals. Right. Oh. It, oh, yeah. It brings up and heightens. It, it, we talked about immersion. This film immerses you in the story in every way possible. Oh, yeah. You are definitely a fly on the wall in this movie. You're You're in the rooms with her. It fully engrosses you. You know, turn off the lights. Um, you know, watch it alone if you can, uh, so you're not disturbed. It it is like a nearly perfect horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is another film that I will say I see on a lot of people's top tens. That right. doesn't persuade me one way or the other. Whenever I go to consider what for me is the best, um, I like we both had watched this and. We just knew it wasn't oh. as sad. <laughs> yeah. <It's>... Yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't go. I wonder if that's going to be in my top five. I was like, what <laughs> slot is that going to take in my top five? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Absolutely. Th there was. And... Yeah. <laughs> no doubt I, about it. <laughs> I, I can't be a hundred percent certain, but I'm, I'm thinking back and this, this reminds me of one other movie and I'll mention it in a second, but I don't think that this film utilized any blood per se. Uh, I mean, you know, it it like, didn't. There wasn't as like, like a device, gore, to, right? But, but there like, was. The, and the I bloody, don't even know if there was the bloody footprints. Okay, right. The, but that's yeah. it, which yeah. is which is harmless. Yeah. And so, for a film to have this amount of tension and suspense, and to not have any kind of graphic over the top in your face, like oh, yeah. horror, death type stuff, it's an excellent story. There's one film that I will reference as like a, a little uh, parenthetical annotation if I were writing a, a paper would be to watch The Skeptic. The Skeptic, the Skeptic. has similar feelings. Uh, I can't remember the name of the lead. Tom Arnold plays a, uh, a sub-character in this film. He's the comic relief. Okay. Well-earned. Um, but The Skeptic is a good ghost story that just has great storytelling and is a great story. And the night house is in uh, the same kind of wheelhouse that, uh, with that. Excellent. So good, good viewing related to the night house. If you like the night house, you will love the skeptic. All right. With our number two being the same, that brings me to my number one. <laughs> and that is James one's malignant. Oh, <laughs> Awesome. Also my number one. It, it was so fun and just so so good. Earned jump scares. Creepy atmosphere. Kept me guessing. I guessed wrong. Uh, it was it was so, so good. Um, uh, what I also like about it is that people seem to either love it or hate it. There is no in-between. I like polarizing films, right? Sure, yeah. Um, because probably everything I love about this movie is what the people who hate it hate about it. Yeah, that's what's so ridiculous about this is that there are things that to me is like, this is amazing because of this. And someone is writing, I hated it because it seems so stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. That's the point. Like, <laughs> this starts off with a flashback that feels like it was shot in the 70s. And guess what? Uh it is like the it's 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 set in the seventies and it feels like yeah. it was you know, and then it comes. It's so self aware. It's, and so, it's so so obvious. Yeah. yeah, and then it comes back to the present, and we're watching this woman who's pregnant get abused by her uh, her husband who gets killed by 
a specter, a ghost. We don't know. And then we know it's James Wan, so we're like, oh, sweet, we're we're on the haunted house train yeah. again, okay? You know, conjuring, uh, um, the you know, the further from Insidious, right? right. Okay, so yeah. what? So so what supernatural uh, elements are we gonna get this time around? And you know, you're you know, you're wrong. <laughs> like that's not what it is. But it yeah, it, it feels like it is for most of the ride. Um, the kills the action the gore it's it's all fantastic it's all over the top there's even a wire foo sequence which is probably like the best couple minutes and when i say couple minutes Mm -hmm. i'm not exaggerating the scene is a couple minutes long (laughs) like yeah you just just don't see this Yeah. yeah you don't see this kind of stuff in horror um at all not i wouldn't even say anymore you just don't see it at all and it and it was over the top in such a perfect way that um it never felt um like stupid or ridiculous to me and i was in like full like enjoyment eyes wide open mode through the entire film yeah and whenever we talked about it with the night house it's like that was a film and this is a movie there are ways that you can handle the genre where it is just fun trick or treat when i talked about it earlier it's a fun movie. You're going to watch it because it's Halloween and you love this movie. It's horror and it gets you in the mood to be watching this stuff and thinking about it. And so Malignant is just entertaining, but it has all of the horror elements that keep it more interesting for that genre. And it's so, yeah, the, the, it being so self-aware to me is it's fun and funny to think about it because James Wan is known for having very serious Movies, when you're talking about Insidious and the Conjuring series, they're really set in a real world where through cinematography and through story and through acting, they want to tell a very carefully crafted plot uh, to evoke lots of emotion in a certain kind of serious manner. And Malignant is just turning that on its head, breaking the fourth wall almost, because it's so apparent that they're, they're lampooning a lot of these kinds of genres. And when I see people talk about it in a way that they're think it's dumb or you, it's silly. It, I'm just confused as to why they don't get the joke. Right. That, it just seems so obvious to me. I, I love that you brought that up. Uh, do you remember snakes on a plane? Yeah, right. I, I felt the same way about snakes on a plane. I walked out of the theater that movie, that was so funny. I loved it. It was a hilarious ride. And everybody was like, that movie's terrible, blah, blah, blah. No, it was bad on purpose. It was self-aware, and it yeah. took itself seriously, and that's what made it so good. <laughs> right. And it's almost as if James Wan was aware that he was going to be doing this. Like, it was a, you know, going to the line of scrimmage and calling an audible type thing where people talk about how the trailers made it seem like this and that I went to the movie expecting this and I got that and I hate that. That wasn't fair. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> that's even cooler Yeah. that he intentionally, you know, and, and it could be a couple of things. It could be that the studio said, we're going to cut this trailer and it's going to look like this because we want people to see it and we don't trust your vision. Right. We want to it sell tickets. Been that. We're not going to advertise. That. We're not going to advertise a tumor monster. Because right. no one's just no one's buying no one's paying yeah, to see no. that movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
get it. We saw Basky case. We we know Kuatu. We get yeah, it. We get this it. is dumb. <laughs> but it's just uh it's it's interesting. There's not a lot of movies that I can think of in recent past that have this kind of um that are that are dealt with in this fashion. That it's under that it knows what it's doing. And and I feel like this happened more in the eighties, a little bit in the nineties, and not a lot since. Right. Outside of, you know, straight horror comedies right. that are intentionally making fun. Right. Um Yeah, I I will have to I'd have to think about it for a while to to try to come up with things because and this this hits it and that's it's like uh, I feel like we've said it before, maybe when we talked about it as a review, it's a um maybe we've talked about it a few times. It's a horror fans horror movie. Right. Someone that knows the genre exactly. will get it and will love it. Exactly. My number one, the regular people out there are not going to enjoy it. Um, or our number right. one, I should say. Um, this mm-hmm. is this was made for us. Like the, you hear the term, a, co- a comedian's comic. Right. <laughs> um, sure. And yeah, it's the, it's, the same, it's the same with, uh, with Malignant, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up comedies, horror comedies at the end there, because let's talk about horror comedies. We... All right. We can't, you know, you can't put them on a list, you know, like they're, sometimes they're good. Yeah, oftentimes they can't, they just. Yeah, like they can't be the best of the year. They can be the best horror comedy of the year. And I I think, um, almost like the honorable mentions, uh, I made a small list um, of four movies that I wanted to to just mention. Uh, Slacks, which is on Shudder, an excellent uh, horror comedy about fast fashion where um, these uh, pants kill people. Um, I mean, I don't have to say much more <laughs> yeah. to, to drive yeah. you to watch it. I'm, I'm fairly certain. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I also absurdity. really... Oh, yeah. Like, completely absurd. Uh, and yeah. uh, love the, 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 the Bollywood <laughs> reference was references were good, too. Was a, just mm. a big fan. Yeah, a la rubber. Yeah. Um, Willy's Wonderland, Nick Cage's movie that is loosely, well, almost exactly based on Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, right. He doesn't have a single line of dialogue in the movie, um, and it is fantastic. <laughs> Not that I don't want Nick Cage to talk, but they, they did a great job of um, you know, a campy action horror movie. Uh, and Nick Cage is just killing it right now, right? Mandy, Mom yeah. and Dad, Color Out of Space. I would put Willy's Wonderland on that list. Um, I haven't watched Pig yet, but it's on my list. Uh, yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Top two. Number two. Horror comedy of the year. Werewolf Within. Definitely Werewolf mm-hmm. Within. Uh, which I you have seen? Uh, I didn't see it. Okay. Uh, Werewolves Within, I know... Based on a video game, which to me is like, what the hell? But <laughs> yeah. okay. I remember uh, the I remember seeing the logo when the credits rolled, and I was like, what is happening? Ubisoft. <laughs> what, Ubisoft. I, yeah. What did I What did I yeah. just watch? <laughs> um, but it was a great movie. It wasn't. It this now. So this is the opposite of camp. This was incredibly intelligently written. All the jokes are are highbrow for the most part. Um, it has. Right. It stars uh, one of the. Uh, side characters is uh guillermo played by guillermo from um 
uh, right, what, what we, we do, do in the shadows. shadows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he he's he's great in it. Um, the two leads are fantastic. Um, you have an um, African-American comic who you might recognize if you're into comedy. He's kind of, um, you know, breaking in right now, um, getting bit roles in, in comedies all over the place. And um, the female lead is the, was it the Verizon or AT&T? She was, she was on some t uh, cell phone commercial. And uh, ha is pretty popular for it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It I was actually say, great to see her in a feature. I think this is the first time I've seen her, and uh, and she was fantastic. Um, both of them very funny together. Um, yeah, really, really great comedy. Which brings us to the horror comedy of the year, um, and this is Bar None, uh, Psycho Gore Man. Uh, <laughs> just. A completely absurd, uh, reminiscent of even like the Power Rangers at times in the costumes Absolutely. and the action sequences. <laughs> um, the dialogue is all tongue in cheek one liners. Um, I mean, the, the gore is is over the top and and really bad, like not realistic to to play into the into the comedy even more. Um, just really great, really unexpected. Um, you know, like um, like Rod said about uh, the Nighthouse not having it being on the radar at all and just popping up. That's kind of what happened uh, for me with Psycho Gorman. I had no idea uh, until I saw the Blu-ray just sitting there, and I I just had to take it home with me just from the cover art. And and uh, and I you know yeah. so and sometimes you win, uh, sometimes you lose, and I I definitely won bringing that thing home. <laughs> yeah, no, Psycho Gorman was a ton of fun. Uh, it hits the absurdity, the visuals being like as lame as they are, oftentimes just makes it even that much more ridiculous and absurd uh, to enjoy it. And so for me, it's. That the the lead character was kind of like a bit silly. I don't think she hit the right note all the time, but for the most part, her interacting with Psycho Goreman was just over the top and hilarious. And a lot of the scenes where the adults were interacting with it because they're kind of like leading normal parents with all this absurd shit happening, kind of had hilarious hilarious moments where like where the guys in the bathroom and psycho Gorman comes through and he's talking to him while he's there and he's like freaking out like, ah, <laughs> yes. it was over the top, uh, hilariousness. And the, the fact that they're playing that weird dodgeball game that they made up to resolve the conclusion of the movie. Yeah. And the fact that, uh, they sing that song, you're the heckin' best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it was yeah, awesome. Yeah. It was a, like a perfect meld of like, because um, it's a brother-sister story, it's like a family movie uh, meets campy B horror in like this ex this great way. And um, yeah, yeah, it was it was executed uh, perfectly for what it was, and and definitely a must-watch if you are in the into the horror comedy genre. Absolutely, for sure. All right, horror comedy um, being done will bring us to sequels. Uh, we already mentioned mm -hmm. Halloween Kills. Um, there was the third Conjuring this year. Um, yeah. There was which which I think was the weakest of the three. You know, um, I'd probably say yeah. two two one three. 
which is a pattern for a lot of trilogies, right? Um, original mm-hmm. Star Wars trilogy, two, one, three, definitely, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Uh, Got to throw that in there. Um, yeah. Uh, Candyman, um, a, a reboot sequel. Um, right. Ho- you know, Halloween Kills, which we already mentioned. Um, Don't Breathe Two was um, an out of nowhere sequel this year, and it was good. Um, if you like the first movie, you'll like the second movie. Um, I can only describe it as more of the same. Um, but still mm-hmm. definitely worth the watch. Uh, very good movie. Uh, so I put Halloween Kills as fifth on my list, but I can't call it the my favorite sequel. And I have to give it to this movie because of what it did for the first film. And that is, okay. quite, that is Quiet Place 2. So sure. right, right, right. I so forgot quite, about Quiet Place too. Right. So Quiet Place Two was excellent, right? But it makes and I liked and I liked the first one, of course. Uh, I definitely think the second one is a stronger movie. Um, it's it's unfortunate uh, Krasinski, you know, didn't died at the end, and and we couldn't see him as the as the protagonist of Quiet Place Two, um, but we do get a, a little um, of him in the flashback. Emily Blunt, fantastic. Yeah. Um, the guy from Peaky Blinders who plays the Scarecrow in The Dark Knight. I can never remember this guy's name. Uh, yeah, he's got a <laughs> weird name. It's something with a C is in there. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was the villain in, uh, Sunshine, which another of, uh, like my favorite, one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so Quiet Place 2. And as I mentioned, when I was talking about the size and scope of the Fear Street trilogy, um, what I like about Quiet Place 2 is it it literally picks up, like, right after the, the first movie ended. Um, we also mm-hmm. get the we get the flashback. Um, but if you took the flashback and you put it before the first movie, and then you watch the first movie, and then you watch what's left of the second movie, I think you have an amazing, you know, three and a half hour uh, horror film. Like an epic, yeah. and, and and I feel sad that it, it didn't happen that way, and that maybe someone should try it. Um, <laughs> you know, Fear Street they dropped the. Tri- it's insane! They... It's an insane idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you well, know this. Fear Street dropped the trilogy, right? And the way people are watching uh, TV and right. binging, binging on Netflix right now, like you, I watched all three of them like in the same sitting. So yeah, okay. Uh, so. Quiet Place could have been, you know, a three and a half, four hour epic instead of um, two films. And, you know, in my mind, not that's that's where I'm coming from when I say it was definitely the best sequel this year. Yeah, uh, I think that you know, I've seen a lot of people. Well, I've seen a few people listed as one of their top tens for the year. Yeah. And it I won't go that far. Us. I won't go that far because it's. It's good, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's good to me. I'm not going to knock it for a lot of things. But um, the world that they built in the first movie, they really kind of dig into. Uh, and there's a lot more tension. The stakes are higher because you can see, like, light at the end of the tunnel. They dangle the the idyllic end game of what these people can finally find on this island. But invariably... Uh, life finds a way, and <laughs> things right. do not go properly. Uh, and it's um, 
Yeah, it was amazing. The flashback scene, I agree, was wonderfully done. It gave you more stakes for what was happening now. It made it the, the ending of the first film with Krasinski's passing that more impactful because you saw how perfectly suited he was to kind of take charge and handle shit for them and to now be absent of him. How do they go on and everything that that means for his children and how they're coping and how they're coming into their own. It was a great movie. Um, and together they make a great story for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So most overrated biggest disappointment. Um, sure. I, I wish you had seen this movie <laughs> so that we could have a right. Have a, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, and I wish I did too. Like, I just I did prioritize it, and then when I was like, ah, it's too late. I'm not gonna bother. Uh, it's okay. It's I know. on people's top. I know, I know, and it's and it's sad, and it's sad. Uh, last night in Soho, uh, biggest disappointment of the year. Um, okay, first, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Um, that just means it was overhyped. And it was classified in horror when it 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 tips toes the line. And in my opinion, psychological thrillers should probably not be classified as horror. Um, yeah. So Edgar Wright, I love Edgar Wright. Spaced, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz mm-hmm. is one of my favorite horror comedies of all time. Um, which you. I don't know horror comedy slasher comedy right uh, right the at world's end right um, so so I'm excited to see this movie and then I get the hype and I'm even more excited to see this movie um, and it was such a letdown now beautifully directed the the set design the transitions the camera work everything you would expect from an Edgar Wright directed film um but but you've seen it before a million times like the the script which i don't know if it was written by edgar wright or not uh you know in my opinion lacked originality um the you know the only thing that was original about it was that the characters were based on um uh they were fashion students so you know, you just took a story that had hap- that we've seen a hundred times before, and you just made them fashion students. Um, so, sorry, we just got a chat ting. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, Edgar Wright did. Um, did he did write. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this, the screenplay was someone else, but yeah, he had a role to play in the story he was telling. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, the twist is also um, very obvious. I mean, it's. It is in what I would call typical uh, uh, of the genre. So if you're a horror fan, um, you're going to know what's going on every step of the way. Um, I can understand how people, uh, how your, you know, your average person, your not horror geek would, um, would be would be taken to this movie. It's ve- it's very sure. pretty. Yeah. Um, the the act the the performances are great. Ma- Matt Smith, uh, Anna Taylor Joy. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know who played the main who played the lead, but she was she was excellent. Um, 
and yeah, it just it was just lackluster. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Um, it felt it felt tired. It felt like a rerun. Um, also, his use of music, I understand it um, because he's very like visual, right? And so you, when you add, right, you you know, so it, you add music, your the or the music he used, it's like here's a music video, here's a music video, here's a music video, and. Yeah. Well, and it was all modern music you were saying, right? Like newer tracks? No, 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 no. It was all 60s, uh, like... Okay, like, like psych, psych, psych rock. Like, yeah, yeah. It was all songs but, but you But known knew. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I then, hate like, when films do that. Like, yeah. it's... It feels uh, like it's like it's jamming in, or like it's taking over for the storytelling in some kind of way, or it's just the imbalance of the artistic decision to use is because it's going to enhance the scene versus I just want this cool fucking song in my, in my movie. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't always work. Right. And, and, and it, I, you know, he, he, he definitely made pretty pictures, you know, with, mm -hmm. with pretty sounds. Uh, I'm not denying that. Um, when you put it all together, it just didn't work out for me. Sure. Did you have a so, biggest disappointment? Yeah, I mean, for me, there's two films, and I don't know how well viewed they're going to be with our audience, but there were two that came across that I saw on a lot of different, couple different lists. One is Violation, and the other is uh, what did I want to include with Violation? Uh, Lucky. Oh, so Lucky, right? They're both they're similar in the sense that they deal with a certain perspective on uh, sexual trauma or um, the one with Lucky is almost as if it's sort of like a Me Too thing where this woman, the female lead, the character has events happening to her where there's a stalker and people just kind of handle it casually where they either don't believe her or just believe her and go along with it. Like, yeah, well, this is just, this is happening. Of course, this is the person that's coming to kill us every night. Mm. And it's like handled like it's like everyone knows this and it's just like no one cares type attitude where it's blasé. And violation was like a, a thing that occurred to this woman and now she's seeking vengeance. And it's big ideas, but the execution of the idea is not as interesting as the idea and it's not doing anything new to the narrative. It's just sort of like hitting the same note over and over again. And you just kind of watch it and see it to the end. Right. And so it just was, I heard a lot about them and I was excited to, to watch them and they were just a bit of a letdown. It's a neat idea, but there's only so much that they go, do with the idea until you're just kind of just disinterested because nothing's elevating it. It's sort of just hitting the same kind of thing over and over and you sit through it and it's not that as interesting, you know, similar to how, you know, Lamb has sort of a one note type thing about grief and loss and things like that, but it's more engaging in that setting than these two films are. So sure, sure. for me, that's, that's what the, the biggest hype and letdown was I was expecting big things. Cause everyone that I was seeing talking about it said it was really awesome. Not so much. Right. Okay. With uh biggest disappointment or most overrated behind us. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to the best performance, um, and I think you agree, uh, hands down, uh, Rebecca Hall, 
the night house yeah absolutely absolutely um great writing great directing as we said before but rebecca hall carries the movie Mm -hmm. the whole way if if it was somebody else i don't know like still still becomes a great movie yeah but but is it this number two on the list if it's not rebecca hall i i doubt it based on yeah what i saw well, in horror films in general, a lot of times I think that you agree. The ones that are usually really, really good, they infrequently have a well-known A-list actor in them. Usually, right. as someone that is not A-list, and it might not even be known. True. And it allows them to maybe elevate the role or to really get into it and to showcase their own talents. And so, Rebecca Hall might be like recently the most known actor that is in a role that is carrying it in this genre that i could think of it just doesn't happen as often and yeah the scenes that she's in that she's in almost every scene you oh, know yeah. it's it's it really is about her and she carries it daftly it's so well done and it is the writing but her delivery of everything that's happening and oh. it uh the small the the other people that are supporting her are also done very well. And there's scenes like we talked, I think, uh, in private about the bar scene that happens early on in the movie that right. seems genuine and natural and but uncomfortable. You you align with the other uh, supporting actors where you want to ask her what she's thinking and what she's feeling. You want to know these, have answers to these questions. Uh, She's just processing. She's throwing them back, and she's just trying to get things out there. And she doesn't even want to think about it. Doesn't know how to deal with it. Doesn't know what to do with anything. And it things happen during that whole scene. And it's just a really. She is. She is just excellent in it. It's there's not a lot else to say. It's... Yeah, I love. I love in the very beginning when the uh, the kid's mom comes in to talk to her. About oh sure. The, about the C she got in spelling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you know her. As we mentioned before, her husband just killed himself, so she just does not give a fuck. <laughs> and it is, and the and the scene is just like, you know, when when she as soon as the mom walks in and you know she's like disappointed and going to talk about her right. son, your 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 heart just sinks and you're like, oh, this is. <laughs> yeah, she's got to deal with this garbage. She, now. Yeah, she's got to do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but, but, you know, written so well, like handled perfectly. Like it was, it was just, it was so good. Yeah. If it were a different actor in that role, it very well could have been a flop easily. Yes. Um, outside of her performance, which is obviously a standout, I will mention, uh, two movies, the gin, the gin and the boy behind the door. Uh, there is a actor named Ezra Dewey that was in both of those who was excellent but in the boy I have behind the door, the lead of that was Lonnie uh, Chavis, and he was excellent. It's there's child child actors aside from the kid from Antlers, who's also great. Child actors, it can't be easy to do uh, these kind of movies where they're still you know you're a kid, you're not you're trying to figure things out. They're excellent where you don't see it as a kid acting, you see it as the character in the film. And both of those movies did a good job. Uh, the actors in that role did a great job at keeping you in the story and not being distracted by kid acting, which, you know, Psycho Gorman does from time to time where it's like kid acting, ridiculous. It looks like a kid acting. Yeah. Those films are more like, this is an actor, not sure. a kid acting. So right. kudos to them. Okay. 
Um, and uh, the last uh, topic before we discuss uh, what's going to happen next week, um, we have uh, TV. And uh, yeah. for, for me, uh, there was a lot of great TV this year. Uh, for me, it was Chucky. Uh, and for, this, for similar reasons to Malignant, it was just fun. The gore was outrageous and unexpected. The comedy was was perfectly written. Um, lots of kid actors and touchy mm-hmm. subjects, and it, you know it never, you know, rammed uh, any of its, you know, of its social commentary down your throat. It was all just like uh, very. Even it even poked fun at it a little fun, uh, some of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, an excellent series. Um, can't wait for season two. Um, yeah, watch Chucky if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good one. To your point, yeah, it, it does have the same kind of feels um, as to why it was uh, elevated when other things weren't. For me, my favorite TV series is currently on Netflix, and that's uh, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass is the film version of a tv series where chucky is the the movie version the of movie a tv version. series in horror yeah, it's, the uh, it's like it's it's our yes it's the night house of the of the tv genre it is excellent um there's so much going on in it that you don't want to talk about details because it there's you it's an experience you just have to watch it uh there's a lot of religion into it that could throw some viewers off. Um, that is the only reason I haven't put it on yet. Is is I know is the word mass is talking about at a church event, not Massachusetts, right? Correct. <laughs> so yes. so that that's my assumption, and and I've heard it's great, and I know I will watch it. But yeah. the reason I keep dumping it down to the bottom of my list is because, you know exorcist type movies uh you know mm-hmm. any any kind of ghost story that's like heavily saturated in in religion uh i usually roll my eyes at uh yeah you know. for sure i don't feel dissimilar to that uh but i can say that this movie elevates things uh it does have similar feels to um one of the characters at least does have similar feels to the mist where the religion aspect in the mist kind of for me ruins the mist oh, in sure. in midnight for me in midnight mass it does not feel like that it is handled more craftily and i will say every character in midnight mass is top notch okay yeah they're yeah. excellent I, at what they do i know it's, i'm watching it's it. like watching it's like watching shakespeare Everyone is just, they know their lines, they know their role, they know how to evoke what they're supposed to evoke for their character, and it's all meaningful and impactful. Uh, the biggest complaint, from what I've seen, people that dislike Midnight Mass dislike it because of the dialogue or monologues that take place, of which there are many. <laughs> Similar to a Tarantino mil- movie, this sure. spends 10 minutes at a time, oftentimes, just two people talking. Right, right. Which is what but I love about it's Tarantino. It's so well written. Yeah, it's what yeah. I love about Tarantino movies, so... So, so be prepared. Okay. Maybe I'll jump it, it up to amazing. the top of my list. <laughs> it's a slow burn, for sure. Sure. It is so amazing, though. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so there you have it. Uh, a quick 
recap Halloween Kills. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, the recap Halloween yeah. Kills. My number five, uh, Antlers. Absolutely. Uh, number four, Blood Red Sky. Coming Home in the Dark. Number three, Candyman. The Queen of Black Magic. And both of our number two, The Night House. Mm-hmm. And number and one. And our number one, Malignant. The must-see horror movie of 2021 is definitely Malignant and The Night House. I, have to, I just have yeah. to, you know, it's both of them, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, next week, or actually this Friday, I believe, um, Scream 5, but it's actually just mm-hmm. called Scream, uh, comes no. out. So we are going to see it before Tuesday. We are going to talk about it on Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Um, we are going to uh, take a second and uh, and watch the trailer. You want to watch the trailer? Absolutely, I want to watch the trailer. You, you have the Twitch up, right? I've got the Twitch up. All right, here we go. <laughs> There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Mom? Well, Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. We were gonna finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. Scream. I'll be right back. He's dead. Only in theaters. <laughs> Special previews Thursday at 7 p.m. Get tickets now. Here are the most anticipated movies. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, love the two callbacks, like right in a row. The the opening of the fridge, uh, closing the door. Yeah. That was from Scream 1. That was, I yep. believe, where Rose McGowan's character got stuck in the, uh, the, the dog door in the garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, the Matthew Lillard, I'll right. be right back. <laughs> yeah, you definitely uh, did. <laughs> uh, super excited to watch it. Uh, anxious cause I want to watch all the other ones before it happens. I'm probably not gonna, but I want to, it's been so long since I've seen them. Yeah. Uh, it should still be amazing regardless. So um, I, I, I just watched one and two uh, in the last couple days. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to watch three and four. I'll probably we- read a quick um, recap on Wiki uh, about them, mm-hmm. just, so I, just so I remember the storylines before I go into, into five. Um, so, the tra- you know, the trailer, it looks like every Scream trailer I've ever seen. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, am, I am definitely excited about it. Um, you know, it's... We're we're getting a lot of nostalgia these days, um, right? And uh, and it's so it's not Wes Craven. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> right. Um, like in in his uh, you know the the end of his career, right? In his in his mm-hmm. age. Uh, um, I think I heard during a David Gordon Green interview though. Um, he's doing music now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, with his son uh, for films like soundtracks. Right. Um, and he did the music for Halloween, the new Halloweens. Um, mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Uh, so if we look at uh, Tyler G- Gillette and Matt Bedinelli Olpins, uh, yep. their track record. Uh, so he did Ready or Not, which I which I really loved. Um, good yeah. horror comedy. Uh, looks like he did the original, or he did one of the segments in in VHS. Looks like the Halloween segment. Yeah. Um, and then you know some TV. Uh, Matt Open did Ready or Not, did VHS. Okay, so they're they're yep. a duo. Um, and I mean just just from the success of Ready or Not, like I'm in. I mean that means they're these guys are probably mm-hmm. are, these guys are probably our age, um, grew up with Scream the way we did. So um, I'll put I'll put my trust in them <laughs> for now. Yeah, Ready or Not, I thought it was an excellent excellent movie. Yeah, I mean, oh, it yeah. was a lot of fun. How it's about that a, ending? <laughs> everything about it, it was just it was entertaining. And this is something that like someone that's new to horror, you can watch it and you can kind of get into it because it's not. Um, it's not going to exclude someone from the way that it handles whatever it's talking about. It it was fun. Yeah, definitely a fun movie. Um, some you know good good suspense and and mm-hmm. no kills until the end. So, you know, or or not no kills. There were the the accidental uh, ac- kills when they were when the family was trying to kill. Um, um, what's her name? The Margot Robbie lookalike, who I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who I like more than Margot Robbie. <laughs> yeah from uh, the babysitter Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving yes Samara Weaving uh from the babysitter and uh Guns Akimbo and Mayhem uh mm-hmm. she has she has so many great movies under her belt already um yeah I love Samara Weaving she can definitely do no wrong um but uh ready or not yes uh just a great movie um uh, very funny very tense um so yeah, I I think uh, I think they could handle a scream because scream was funny, uh, right? Right. Yeah. Like it yeah. it wasn't, it, but it wasn't in the horror comedy genre, nor would you put it in the horror comedy genre. But it was still a funny movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the characters definitely didn't take their mortality seriously. <laughs> in right, yeah. In and the I way mean, that... it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just fun. Like it's in uh, it's interesting because it is sort of like a, a high schooler type movie to see and oh, sure. so the thing about that that's interesting i wonder i don't think that there's a ton of movies being made now that are slashery that target high schoolers now aside from the movie the tv shows that we just watched being chucky right middle school uh and um i know you did last summer from amazon which right. was high school into college yeah i don't I can't think of a, a recent horror or slasher that has that kind of demographic aside from, I think the 
only one that I can think of is Happy Death Day, and its sequel. Right, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day Two. I would say, I would say a little, a little Fear Street. You know, for at least the first sure. movie. Yes, the first yeah, movie sure, yes, yeah, sure, sure. And and definitely Stranger Things as a you know once again TV, not a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely stands out. But yeah, I think right. you're. I think you're right. It doesn't happen as often as yeah. it was in the '80s and the '90s. No, in the '80s and the '90s, it was always high school kids getting into trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. um, well, one of my favorites. Um, uh, Chris Sarandon, The Vampire Next Door. What's it called? Um, oh, Lost Boys. No, 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 no. They they just they remade it with. Uh, no, they didn't just remake it. They remade it with um, <laughs> Colin Farrell as the vampire. Oh my god. How's my oh mind? yeah, yeah, yeah. How's my mind going blank on this movie? Well, that happens. So yeah. I will mention uh, related to uh, Ready or Not. I always I always think of Would You Rather when I think of Ready or Not. I saw in similar time, completely different movies, but close setting of like a dinner party. Would you rather recommend that if you haven't seen Would You Rather yet? Right, right. Uh, Fright Night. <laughs> Fright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, so Fright People Night. People cursing yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fright Night. You've got like three main characters. They're all high schoolers. They're studying for a big test, and they see their new neighbor uh, potentially um, bite a woman's neck and drain her blood and th- through the window. And uh, and yeah, what a great movie. But yeah, yeah. so the eighties was it was all high schoolers. <laughs> right. <laughs> is the point. And if you haven't seen Fright Night, the remake was also very good. They're mm-hmm. both both great movies. Yeah. All right. So, I think that's a wrap. Absolutely. Looking forward to next week. This was a great uh, recap of the past year, though. We talked about all the highlights, some of the lowlights, and starting off this new year with a classic, a modern classic, uh, not really an original, but definitely an homage to a lot of what made the originals what they were. Uh, it should be a good start into the new of this year because there's a lot ahead of us, and oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this being the, the gateway to that year. Yeah, in addition to um, uh, Scream 5, and we'll probably talk about all the Scream movies, uh, mm-hmm. we will we will do a um, an anticipated of 2022 uh, countdown. Sure, yeah, uh, things that are like on the radar to be coming out that are related to uh, the genre. Yep, absolutely. It'd be a lot of good, a lot of fun to to look at that. Get uh, excited for what's going to be happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Thank you guys for tuning in um, for the podcast for the recently deceased. I'm Nate Roberts. I am Rodney Godek. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week.